User Grind Staff Publishing Audio Files. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grind Staff Publishing Podcast. Uh, it is currently December 6th at 12.15 p.m. So, again, a midday podcast. That's pretty cool. Um, it's Sunday, which is normally my Friday for work, but uh, I've been feeling like complete crap, and yesterday was just terrible. Um, thought I had the COVID-19, but... The, the results came back and my wife and I are negative. So that's really good, really good news. So I think we're all just kind of going through this kind of flu-like thing that's just, I guess, coincidental to the rest of the COVID thing. Um, I just recorded the um, chapter 14 of Room to Rome, which is France. Oh, sorry, which is Spain. Sorry, France is next. Um, 14 is about Spain. Um, Spain goes down as probably the most impressive country that I was in. I was there for two weeks, so it was a long time. Um, like Iceland, you know, any of the Scandinavian countries are beautiful in, in, in their own right and they're wonderful. And I, I would, I would instantly go back if, if I, if I, if I eventually when I can, but Spain was such a really cool country to just get, just like, I felt embedded in that country. And, um, I got off the ferry in Barcelona. So it was like Barcelona, then Madrid, at, um, from Madrid, we split off into, uh, Segovia and then, um, Toledo. And then from Madrid, um, over, I guess up to Pamplona and then off into to France. So um, Barcelona was incredible. I didn't know anything about Barcelona before. Um, I knew it was on the coast of Spain, but that's kind of where it stopped. So when I got there and it was just artistic, just explosion with the palm trees and the weather and the beaches and the architecture had such an artistic flair to it. The people had artistic flair. It, it was it's such a really cool city that just it is it is oozed this vibrance, and it was so different from any city I had been before, and um, I I just thoroughly enjoyed myself with just walking through Barcelona, um, you know there there's definitely the, the tourist district and La Rambla was like it was like the main like you know drag of like tourism, but it, anywhere you walk there's this 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 awesome feel of you know, progression and like-minded people that are, are in an arty city, uh, that are in a beautiful country with awesome weather. And you can just feel that everywhere. People are happier. People are just like, just going about their business. And it's just a really awesome time. And I was there in, um, in really early November and it was still just completely gorgeous. Um, the beaches were still fl- just doing their thing and it's very white and beautiful. Um, and so the only bad thing that really kind of happened in Barcelona for me was the, the very first day when I got there and I was going to my hostel and I didn't realize how sketchy of a, of a neighborhood the hostel was until later. But um, to go from this beautiful downtown tourist area and then going to my hostel was like, this isn't the best place ever, but whatever. And when I first got to um, to Barcelona, I, I got some money, got like a, a hundred euros, just two fifty dollar or two fifty euro notes, put them in the pocket um, spent the first like, um, you know, bit of money on food or whatever. And then I went, got to my hostel and it was like 40 something euros to, to, um, sit there and they took cash. So I was, okay, well here, here's my 50, 50 euro note. I couldn't find it. 
uh, and I've never had that like just complete like heart falling to the ground, something going down to the ground, like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I couldn't find the note. I, cu- I couldn't find the 50 euros. And when you're doing that kind of travel like that way and so cheaply and regimented and budgeted, it is terrifying to not have every cent accounted for. And the fact that I had just had it in my pocket and it, just, it was gone. And, and I, went, I went outside and I was frantically going here and there, looking where I was, you know, where I had been. And after probably literally an hour of walking around and going back and forth and looking in this and that, I just gave up and I was, I felt such, I felt like I, I let myself down in such a bad way. And it, it was just because there was so much stress in getting to a new, new country, new city. And then I, I had just gotten the money and I was like, okay, well, I purposely was not keeping that, that hard, like that track of like money. I was like, okay, well, just, let's just get, just get through, get through, get through. And I was spending so little money on everything that the only thing I was really spending money on, like the big purchase items, was was the hostel. And so to be like, okay, well, yeah, 40 something, 40 something euros, I got that. And it just wasn't there. It was, it was just completely just blew me away. And I and like and I still have like dreams about that, or I guess nightmares about that moment, just being like, I, I don't have that money. Terrifying. It it, it just it shook me so hard. And um, luckily, I kind of got in the rhythm and, and Barcelona would just, just blew me away so much that it just really kind of just, I, I kind of forgot about it and moved on. But that was like the first day in Spain and I was like, oh my God, I'm just a complete failure. Um, the next day and over the next couple of days, I, uh, I just really explored Barcelona. Um, I did, I did a walking tour, which is great. Um, I saw like the, the main sites. I learned who um, Gaudi is who, um, any, anyone that has any interest in art, which I didn't know before, um, who Gaudi was, but Gaudi was, um, a turn of the century, uh, architect. He was extremely artistic and very, very free, free forming. And so he made these buildings, but these buildings aren't just like these big boxes. They're these pieces of art that have, um, you know, flow to them. They have creative rhythm to them. They have this amazing thing. And his most famous work is the La Sagrada Familia, which is this gigantic cathedral that looks like it's melting and it has all this architecture to it. And just, it's just amazing thing that's been in constant construction for over a hundred years. So this guy um, just put the, his, his, uh, his influence on many buildings. I can't remember how many it is. It was definitely over 10, um, I, you know, around, around Barcelona. So what, so one of my, my main things I wanted to do once I figured out who this guy was, was just make my own walking tour around Barcelona. So I just, I, I, I walked, I got a map, I, I circled where I wanted to go, and I just walked. And so in one day, I, I, I so wish I had a kind of some kind of step counter because it was so crazy how many how much I walked along every day of the trip. But in days like that, um, I mean, I, I walked everywhere. And um, my walking led me up to this big castle uh, overlooking the water, uh, led me down into um, the, the site of the 1992 Summer Olympics with this big Olympic stadium. Uh, I, I went to this grand museum that, that like that opens up into this wonderful plaza. Um, I saw the place where, where the Barcelona f- football club plays um, and saw all these w- wonderful buildings came to this. His, uh, his most, most expansive work was this basically this big park on this hill. And it is this, the theme park of this guy's architecture. It was, it was absolutely incredible. So busy and beautiful. And, just Barcelona goes down in my mind as this like artistic hub that is just every corner, every everywhere you look is this art. There's art in some fashion. The like the fountains, the uh, 
the buildings, everything has this flair to it that is so Spanish and so wonderful and artistic and just beautiful. From Barcelona, um, I took a, a, a cheap bus down to um, Madrid, which is the capital of Spain. And um, what Barcelona had in that very artistic like feel, Madrid had kind of like that similar feel, but very much like this is a metropolis. Like this is where business happens. People come here and it's like a hub. And it was huge, so big. Um, so I got dropped off. Like I, th- I think I looked, it was like four or five miles away from my hostel. So I, I had to walk a long ways to get there. Uh, before I got to my hostel, I was hungry. So I ducked into a taco shop and I met these these two American tourists, this couple. Uh, and they were just so floored that I was doing the, the kind of travel I was doing. I was, I, I was like a backpacker and they hadn't met a backpacker yet because they were, you know, they were there for a traditional vacation. They were there for a week, whatever, staying in a hotel and all this stuff. And they were great people. They're like young, like probably 21 or 22 years old. And they were like, man, we want to do that. We should do that ourselves. We should like travel this cheap way. And they were just totally blown away that like right in front of this person was doing it. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think I'm special. I'm, I'm just, I'm just following this imaginary line. I'm just making it as I go around this map. And I'm just going to just doing it this way. And hopefully I can make it the entire way. I don't really even know. And so in in the moment when people romanticize it, it's such an interesting thing because you're like, I'm just, I'm just living day by day. I don't know how much money I have. I hope I make it. But then once you're taking it, taking it out of that role, it, it, I mean, you can't not romanticize it. And this entire book is a, is a, a romanticization of what happened to me. But if you talk to me at any point in that day, it's like, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I'm really happy to do it. But this is, this is like, like any adventure. It's like when you're in the moment, it's like, holy crap, this is a difficult thing. But they're really cool, and it and it made me appreciate what I, what I was doing in that moment. And um, the place had great tacos, so it was a win win. I got to my hostel. The hostel blew me away because it was, I guess it was like a commercial hostel situation. So like there was like a chain of them, but it felt really cool because you walk in and it's open plan. There's like a bar. There's, there's like a lounging area people are hanging out at. There were a lot of rooms. Very much like it was like a ho- like a hotel in that way. And so I got to my room and. There was a, there were just two bunk beds, um, one on one on each side of, of of the room, and so and there's a balcony out, and uh, it didn't cost a crazy amount of money to be there, but it was really nice, and um, so I, I was I was all alone there. I went down to the bar, just kind of just like get my bearings, and I had this really cool thing called Tinta, which this which was a carbonated red wine essentially on on tap, and it was just so good. It was like it was like this kind of sweet dry carbonated thing that was just wonderful and it just it went down way too easy it's super dangerous because i had like two in like an hour and i was like whoo this is really good but you gotta watch out for that um I, I took it easy that, that first night and i was okay i'll go back to my hostel or I'm back to my room and i'll just relax for the night and i open the door and there's this lady there um and i, I put it in the book and she's she, she was i think we i think we talked about it 36 um but i, I put 36 in the book this uh, th- this French woman, who was so cool. She was very very nerdy. Had a very nerdy vibe to her. She was a journalist, and and she was super new to it. Like it lo- it seemed like like she had either just gotten her like a degree and then started it late- later in life or whatever. But she was just a single, you know, French French journalist that had been sent out to uh, Madrid to 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 to, um, to to write about this guru that was out in the desert that had this kind of cult thing going. And instantly I was hooked, like, what? What are you talking about? That's crazy. It's so cool. And she just talked about it. And, and she was gaining 
gaining knowledge, gaining some stuff, and she's gonna write this, this article about it back home in France. And and it was so cool to talk to this person that was like so vibrant and so full of life and so French um, about writing. And I was like, oh, this is awesome! Like I have a person like right here that's writing as the you know as we were talking, and and she at the moment she was transcribing what she had what she had her recording. It was so cool. It was like it was a very very cool conversation. We talked for a, a few hours. And okay, well, we're gonna call it quit. So we found our beds and then went to sleep. Next morning, she was totally gone. She was uh, she must have been out talking to the guru. Anyway, and like that's what's so crazy about hostels is that you can have a, such a really cool experience with somebody. You can go to sleep and the next day they're just gone. They're just you don't you, you'll never see them again. And um, I bring it up a lot in the book about those. Uh, it's like kind of like that that instant friend situation, like that, that instant short term friend that hostels kind of breed that relationship where you meet somebody and either you click right away and you're like, Oh my God, we should be friends. Cause we only have a certain amount of time, but also it promotes this like really, really taking advantage of that, not take advantage in a bad way, but just like you, each party knows what's happening. Like, you know, that, that the person you meet, um, will be gone very soon, but it's so cool. Cause you get this really fresh instant, like almost like a match where it's like you light it, and it flashes and it's beautiful and it's bright. And then very soon it just goes away and you have, it's just done. The, the embers burn out. So um, she was great. The next day I, I, I got with a walking tour put on by the hostel and we toured around a lot of stuff. And the people, everyone in that group was so cool. It's so varying in ages and where they came from and everyone's was lively. So after we got dropped off at the end of the tour, we, uh, we went to this really cool traditional um, I guess, it was, I don't even call it a restaurant, I guess. Um, but, but they, they serve traditional churros with the traditional Spanish way of eating a churro is by getting a bowl of melted chocolate and you just, you dip the churro in it, but the, the chocolate is so thin that you also drink the chocolate. So you're drinking, literally drinking chocolate. It's like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. So luckily I, I, I just like had, had one little bite and I was like, this is a lot for me. I cannot do this. Um, so after that, it's kind of like the, the, the girls split up in their own way and went off. And then like the group of like five or six guys of us went and, and, and went in search of this, uh, this elusive um, black Lucifer statue in this park. And so I guess it's, it's famous. It, it's a famous statue because it shows um, Lucifer falling from falling from heaven. So it's this pitch black, this pitch black statue of this fallen angel and and uh, so cleverly, it it is uh, it, it's elevated to 666 meters above sea level. So 666, artistically clever. Um, it was great. And so I, I, after that, the, the group of guys and I went down to the, the this giant, um, the main bullfighting ring in Madrid, and that was cool to see it. Definitely do not like bullfighting. I'm I'm very opposed to it, but it was cool because bullfighting is such, such an integral part of their culture. Um, so many Spanish people that live and are from Spain are trying to get that, you know, taken away, but that is their culture. I have no place to, you know, sip on that. Um, we came back to the hostel. Um, that was a night was, was pretty cool because when we came back, they were putting on this big dinner. And so if you, if you signed up for their pub crawl that's happening that night, you could also do an additional like 20 euros or whatever. And that was for like three hours or whatever it was, there was open bar. You could have as many drinks as you want. Um, there was a three course meal that, that, that the um, hostel provided. And so I was like, hell yeah, let's do that. And so 
a few a few of the guys from the from the walking tour that I had already tra- traveled around a little bit with um, were like, hell yeah, let's do this. And so we went up and changed, and they came back down, and we had just I had like three or four tentos in a row because they were all fur- they were all included in the in the thing. Had this giant meal, amazing spread, and then we're gonna go out to four different bars, and so we had this really sketchy. Um, kind of shaky guy. Um, I named Carlos. Um, I think his name might have been Carlos. I'm not really sure, but um, Carlos was going to take us to all these bu- those bars. Excuse me. So we all went. It's probably like I don't know, 15 of us, half guys, half girls. Excuse me. And um, it was it was interesting because the first part, the first bar was very much like a bar bar. Um, you walk in, flashing strobe lights, people grinding on each other, doing the whole bar thing. And the drinks were super expensive, but at, at each bar we got a, uh, a a shot of tequila was like the you know part of our thing. So we we all, we all got there, we all took the shot of tequila, and we kind of went off in our own areas. We were there for like an hour, and then Carlos routed us up, and then went to the next bar. The next bar we had to wait in line. It was interesting because people that weren't in our group, but the people in front of us, were making so much noise, laughing and yelling and screaming. And so the pe- the people that live in the city, people that live in the flats above us, decided at best to throw a bucket of water down. And they were, I think, aiming for the loud people, but they got all of our girls in our our uh, group wet. It was not funny because it was like, this is terrible. Now they're wet. But uh, it was like, what in the hell? This is this night's kind of going a little, little sideways already. We went on that club. The drinks are super expensive. So everyone takes their free tequila shot and then kind of wanders off. I found, that, I found that small group in a corner. And they're, they're like, there's few guys that just gotten back from Tel Aviv. And there's one guy that was like a writer and had a very writer, you know, pedantic, you know, personality to him. And he, to him, I talked about Jack Kerouac and he was from America, but he just got back from, from uh, Tel Aviv. And so then we, we kind of got gathered up and then we we're going to our third one. I was like, man, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm not, I'm not having a really good time anymore. I'm buzz. I don't want any more tequila. I don't want to dance with anybody. I just want to go back to the hostel. So once we get outside, I, I tell Carlos this, I'm okay, I'm going to go back. And he's like, no, 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 don't, don't go back. And he was like, he's like offended by it. And he thought that I was drunk. He thought like I was everybody else, like totally faded. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I can get back. And he kept pushing me. He's like, Hey, you know, I'll, I, you know, do you want, want some weed? Do you want some Coke? What do you, what, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want anything. I just want to go back to the hostel. I'm fine. And he kind of grabbed my shoulder and pulled me back. I was like, I just ducked away. I was like, dude, I, I'm done. I, I don't want to. And I started getting this defensive thing where I was like, I don't like to get pushed around, especially if you think that I'm, you know, super drunk or whatever. And so I kind of ducked out and, and he's like, okay, whatever, man. And went to gathering all the people around. And so then I, I, I went back to the hostel and I was like, just at point of being, you know, tipsy where the, the air smelled good and the, everything was beautiful and perfect. Got back to the hostel and it was all dim and the, and the bar was dim, um, but not closed and there's no one around. So I was like, okay, well, I'll sit there and just um, take some notes in my journal. And it was like it was like any movie that I ever dreamed about, um, where you know, the lights were dim at this bar, and then this this beautiful woman just appeared out of nowhere. And she's like, "Hey, do you want a drink?" And I was like, "Okay, I assume you work here, hopefully." And so she unlocked the bar, and then um, she she uh, poured me a tento, and I was drinking, talking to this this woman, and she was great. And then I finished, and she's like, "Here, and told her about the Carlos thing, about the pub crawl thing." She's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Here, here have a pento or have a tento on me." And so then. Um, out of nowhere, this, this girl from New York came up and was like, Hey, I, I, we're, a bunch of us are wa- watching the, these movies down the basement. Do you want to come with us? I was like, Oh, sure. Okay. And it's me and, and the uh, bartender went down and watched these movies. Um, and then not, like, probably half an hour later, all the pub people came back just completely hammered and they all had like a bottle of, a bottle of something. Um, 
probably rum or something like that. It was clear. And uh, we all started drinking some more. And then I went to bed probably like at five, maybe. I went back to the hostel room at five. There's no one there, luckily. And I just passed out. For no reason at all, I woke up three hours later completely fine. Like totally fine. Like, And I was like drunk at the time. And I was like totally fine. So, okay, well, I guess it's eight o'clock. Let's go downstairs and have some breakfast. So I go downstairs to have breakfast, and I, and I find a guy named Luke, who's from Nova Scotia, and he was down there looking like shit. He had bloodshot eyes, trying to eat, eat oatmeal, and drink coffee, and he's like, man, I, I feel so bad. Because he because he was going hard when, when I left, so I'm not even sure how much he slept, maybe an hour or whatever. I was like, why are you up? And he's like, well, I already bought this this uh, ticket to go to um, Toledo. And so I was like, well, so I have to go. I was like, okay, well, hey, I'll, can I go with you? He's like, yeah, sure. And so we go, we, uh, we get on the shuttle, meet this guy named Zach from Ireland, who's a really cool guy and college guy. And we all go to Toledo. Toledo is not that far away. Um, it is really, really cool. You know, feels very medieval um, city. We, we, we kind of explore that, see, some, see the stuff, have some pizza, beer, come back. We, uh, we go, um, now the three of us go to this, uh, to this wonderful art museum called the Reina Sofia. Um, we see Monray, we see Dali, we see uh, Picasso and the Guernica, and uh, we say, okay, hey, well, t- well, tomorrow let's meet up again, and we'll we'll go to a different town. So okay. So that night we actually go to I go to bed earlier after a few drinks, and I go to bed around I don't know ten or eleven or whatever. I I, uh, I Skype my mom and talk to her and show her you know the 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 wonders of uh, the the Madrid experience, and then uh, the next morning feel a bit bit more refreshed because the first like the day. Um, before I was up for 21 hours straight and I was like, I didn't, I didn't really feel it. It must've been all that, um, Tento or adrenaline. One, one of the two I was pushing me forward. And the next morning I felt refreshed. Okay. I got eight hours under my belt. I feel fine. I go back down and poor Luke is sitting there. Like, just like the, like, like the day before it didn't happen. He was sitting there over oatmeal looking haggard as hell. And he's like, Oh, I went out last night again. And I just, and this guy was like 38, 40 years old. Like he wasn't old by any means, but he was not 21. So he was like looking, he's like, I, 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 we're going to do it. Let's go to, let's go to Segovia. So we meet up with Zach again, the Irish kid. And we, uh, and we go to Segovia, same way, shuttle, uh, shuttle and everything. Segovia was amazing. It was like, it was out of some kind of Spanish, like fairy tale. Um, they have a giant castle that looks like a fairy tale castle. They have cathedrals, they have cobblestones. The entire thing was wonderful. We, we did all that stuff. We, uh, we, we found a bar. We all toasted to each other and said that if, if any of us ever, ever need a spot, we can stay there. So that means that, in theory, we had a, we had a place to stay in the west, on, the, on the west coast of Ireland. We had a place in the Nova Scotia. And we had a place in the, the northwest of, of America. So it was, it was one of those kind of like three musketeer things. Where we're like, man, we're all together and like we're planning to see each other again. But isn't this, isn't this freaking cool to be all, we're all here and seeing these beautiful sights? We all, we, we all get back to Madrid and kind of say our goodbyes. And we uh, Luke and I say goodbye to Zach because he was at a different hostel. So we say goodbye to Zach and give him a big hug and say, Man, thank, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, best luck in school. Luke and I kind of find our way back to uh, this cool restaurant. We got some kebabs and then we came back to the hostel. Um, he was done. So he, he went to his, his room. It was like, I don't know, 8 o'clock or something like that at night. And I sat around the bar and had a few more Tentos and talk to people from all over the world and just was just really vibing on that energy of just like that backpacking energy. People from, they were just came and coming in from wherever there's a guy playing guitar. There was like, you know, there's clicks of people around the areas having fun. No one's on their phone. That's why I really realized was that no one in that bar or no, no one in the hostel, um, 
common room was on, on their phone. Everyone was engaged. Everyone was engaging with somebody else. It was real people talking to real people. Um, so it was such a really cool experience. And it, it's it's so rare to find that um, in any you know con, uh, conglomeration of people. Not even young people anymore. It's not even like a young person thing. It's like any we're just so attached to our phones, all of us, that to see an entire group of people that are all strangers communicating with each other in a room without any kind of cell phone usage is so cool. The next morning I got on a, uh, on a bus, a long bus to, uh, to the North of Spain. Um, and I got to Pamplona and Pamplona was on my list because Ernest Hemingway. Um, I had read the sun also rises, um, in high school. I read it numerous times, probably three or four times since high school. Or yeah, since high school. Um, it's it's a really cool book. It's very short. It's Hemingway's first book, and he was only 27 when he first wrote it. Um, and basically, it's set in the 20s in Pamplona. Um, and it talks about these uh, this group of, of of young people that have money that are like kind of frustrated with with their lot in life, and are just kind of like just devil may care, just kind of use people and then kind of spit them out kind of thing. And the book basically is about how that lifestyle. And that way of living is just bad. Like you shouldn't do that. You should you should treat people with respect and be you know a really good friend. And so, as soon as I got to Spain, I knew that I wanted to go to Pamplona. Um, Pamplona is also v- famous beyond belief because of the running of the bulls. It's called the San Fermin Festival, and it happens in Pamplona. And it's famous, and uh, you know bullfighting is what it is. Um, but basically, it's it, it, people run around with you know bulls chasing them. And ultimately, the bulls get put out into the um, into the bullfighting arena. And then over the next three days, I think, people party their asses off, run, run, run with more bulls, and the bulls get fought, and they eventually get killed. Um, luckily, I was nowhere near that time of year, so there's no San Fermin Festival. There's no running the bulls. Um, but the, the town itself was so cool. It, it was just this little tiny town that was just packed full of history and, and there's this medieval feel around the place. It was a small town, um, just wonderful. So I got I got to the hostel, checked in, immediately wanted to buy the buy the sun also rises from the you know the Pamplona bookstore. I found I found a bookstore, found the book. Um, I still have it. I I had the receipt I bought in Pamplona. It was it, I just I that's part of the the part about books and literature that I've always loved is like that tangibleness of it like not only is it like a, it's like a souvenir of course but also it's just like this thing you can hold and so um got that went back to my hostel re- read that for a little bit and then went to sleep next morning awaken in pamplona wonderful stuff um, walk around um do my own little tour um taking the sights kind of walk the path of the running the bulls go to the um to the uh to the pamplona bull ring um just all of it was so cool I, I I went to the the cafe that the Hemingway set the book really in Cafe Arunia, uh, went inside had lunch and uh, it was just it was awesome. The, um, the night ended with me going back to the hostel, and uh, I talked to a guy for a little, for a little bit about about writing because he was also a writer and he wanted to write books. But then the night ended because that day um, was when the Paris terrorist attack happened, and it was so so shocking because so many times. And this has happened throughout all of America's history, is the isolation, because so much of what happens in the world, definitely before the 21st century happened, but even now, 
so much of the world happens in Europe and the continent of Europe and the continent of like, you know, Asia and all that stuff. So when things happen over there, it's over there. So it's, oh, people, you know, when, when whatever happens over there, it's like, okay, well, it's sad, but it doesn't really affect our lives because we're so far away from it. And so when I walked in and I, and the TV was going and it showed this, this stuff happening in real time in Paris, it was like, holy crap, like that's right, that's hours away from me. That's like a few hours away from me driving. And it was such an important thing for me myself to feel because it showed that the world we live in is so small, so tiny and, and interconnected that it shouldn't matter the distance that you are because the world's connected. But it was so powerful that the group of us were watching this happen and these, these events were, were impacting every one of our lives because I was going to be in Paris the next day. And so I, I was kind of freaking out. I, was, I went instantly into my selfish mode being like, okay, well, no, what, how, this, how is this going to affect me? Again, I was just traveling around for fun. Like I wasn't doing anything important. I was just, I was just doing my own thing. And so it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a letdown in myself that I was instantly thinking, okay, well, that's really sad for them, but what about me? And so... But that's what it was. Um, so there, there was talk of, of the, the French government shutting the border, like just like closing off the border so they could figure out who these people were. And so um, the next morning I got up and, and I bought a ticket to Toulouse, which is in, which is in the south of France, um, only a couple hours away from Pamplona. And, um, and the entire day I was worried. I was like, okay, well, I, 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 the ticket's paid for. I have it. So what, is, what does it mean to, to have a country closed because it had happened before with the refugee crisis over in Eastern Europe. And I was like, okay, well, those, those borders were closed, closed. You could not get in those borders and no one could get in those borders unless it was like a, you know, emergency thing. And so then the day went on. I was nervous. I kept walking around, having some food, having some beer, reading, reading the book, trying to keep myself company or preoccupied. And then the next day I went to the station. Um, the buses were going. The guy looked at my, my ticket and said, okay, get on the bus. And I just got on the bus. And the entire time I was so terrified that we were going to have to turn around. It wouldn't matter anyway. I could have just flew somewhere else. But like in the moment I was like, man, I'm on, on this bus going to France. And the minute we crossed the border and we were from Spain into France and we were there, we kept on going, didn't turn around. I was like, we made it. We, we did it. We were in France. We can do this now. And so then I went to, got to Toulouse and it was nighttime. And then different chapter begins, literally. Um, Spain, again, goes down to such a cool country, such cool people. Everyone I met there, the tour, the tourists were awesome. The, the locals were awesome. People I met were awesome. The food, every, it, all of it. Um, if anyone ever asked, like, oh, man, like, you know, what, where should we go from where you, where you went? It's like Spain, Spain, Spain. Like, you can't go wrong with anywhere in Scandinavia. Everyone knows it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's definitely a hot place to go right now. But Spain is so cool. Um, it was one of the, the, the only countries I, I ever like really kind of saw a lot of it. Saw different different culture or different um, parts of the country. And it was just so cool. And I just loved every minute of it. Um, hopefully this wasn't boring. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, a lot of this is about, you know, was in the book. But it's nice to expound upon that in my own words. They're not my written words, but my spoken words. So next up is France. We go to Toulouse, then up to Paris. So hope you enjoy. Thank you very much.